Hello, my name is Ben Sadler, and I'm here with John Mullen, and this is the What's Up With That podcast. The What's Up With That podcast is a deep dive into life's most important questions from a Christian point of view. This is episode three, and the question we want to talk about today is, why would I open up my Bible when I have Google? Why would I open up this old book when I can just ask Alexa or just ask uh, my Google Home? Is that what it's called? Google Home? All right. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So why would I open up my, this ancient book when I have the latest access or access to, you know, a world of information? So again, my name is Ben Sather. I'm here with my friend, John Mullen. So how are you doing, John? Good. I'm doing really good. Glad to be here. Thank you. Okay. So as we kind of go into this topic about why would I open up this old dusty book? Maybe I just want to think or remind our listeners uh, why we're doing this podcast and what this topic has to do with it. Um, The reason I wanted to start this podcast is, you know, I'm a pastor and I run into people every once in a while, um, like at a, a, I'll be doing a funeral or I'll be doing a wedding and, and someone will kind of pull me to the side and they'll say, Hey, you're a pastor. Uh, what's up with, and then they would say something, uh, you know, it, they, they're probably not going to come into church and they're probably not going to be so bold to say something in church. But, you know, when they're in these kind of social situations, they find out that I'm a pastor and they kind of nudge me away and say, you know, what's up with that? You know, what wh- what's up with all those weird miracles in the Bible or, or what's up with reading this ancient book? You really think it's, there doesn't have any heirs or, or, or what's up with things like slavery or sexism in the Bible? And and I, you still believe that stuff? So I wanted to make a podcast where we could have that kind of conversation. I usually don't have time to talk to people in those kinds of situations for a very long period of time. And if there are a few brave people who kind of nudge me to the side and have questions, I'm sure there's tons of people who have those kinds of questions. So that's what I'm hoping to do, to have those kind of conversations with people um, that, that, that people are interested, people are thinking about these bigger questions. They just don't know uh, where to go to maybe find a, a, a longer discussion on them. So that's why I wanted to start. And, and, and I'm really happy to have my friend John Mullen, who's just a, a voracious reader, uh, and, and all the things that he is looking into on his own. Um, and so he's really encouraged me. And, and so we're going to have a conversation about some of these deep topics, which we do anyway. So we thought, hey, might as well record them. <laughs> And, uh, and and see if they're helpful to people. So, again, we want to talk about why would I open up this old, dusty book that um, when I have Google. In fact, I'm, you know, I, I remember going into different people's houses and, and it kind of, you knew that they were a, supposedly a Christian house that they had kind of this, de- you know, this, this big Bible in the corner of the room that's not so much... Um, uh, used anymore, uh, but it used to be kind of a decoration. You have like this mm-hmm. big King James Bible uh, that was this huge paperweight, and 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 that's kind of what it was—a a decoration. So uh, now today, people just have thrown the decoration out altogether and wonder, you know, why would anyone open it? Uh, it doesn't seem um, there. There doesn't seem to be many reasons to open it. Uh, it seems outdated, maybe irrelevant, um, and then a lot of people wonder. I mean, hasn't been discredited anyways. Uh, you know, maybe there's some good, wise ideas, but um, but I'm sure science has has proved it wrong. And, and isn't it a bunch of fairy tales anyways? Um, why would I open it if, if I can just ask Google? Um, and, and it doesn't have access to the latest and best information. So, you know, why would I why would I go to it if it's if it's something that was written, I mean, literally thousands of years ago? 
I'm not reading anything else that's thousands of years old. I'm not reading Homer or uh, the Iliad and Odyssey. I'm not reading, uh, you know, the ancient, uh, you know, Egyptian texts. I, I don't spend my time doing that. So why would I spend time uh, looking at this ancient book? So those are some of the things that I think about. What, what do you think? What do you think keeps people from opening up their Bible? Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, I would say that I agree with those people that I don't want to waste my time on ancient myths or fairy tales either. Um, that, that doesn't do any of us any good. Um, but, but the Bible, billions of people don't believe that that's what the Bible is. Mm -hmm. um, it has changed the lives of billions of people and billions of people say that this is the very word of God. Yeah. So anything that bold or that dynamic, I think at least deserves a look from people. Yeah. And so hopefully our discussion today can at least make that case. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's shaped cultures. And I think we don't always realize it. Um, but so many of the phrases, so many of the ideas, uh, you know, they, they come from the Bible. If you would trace them back to their origin and you didn't realize how much the Bible has changed culture. And if it's changed culture, changed millions of people, yeah, that's great. Why not at least look into it? So maybe just to begin, um, just answer the bigger question, like what is the Bible? Well, first of all, the Bible is not just one book. It's a library of books. It's, it's 66 books um, and by over 40 different authors. And it's divided into two groups. The Old Testament has got 39 books and the New Testament 27 books. Um, the, the Old Testament, the, the books, that all that means is it's an old account, an account before, an old witness before Jesus. Everything leading up to Jesus. So that's the 39 books there. And then there's 27 books that tell about Jesus and what happened in the birth of the Christian church, what happened after Jesus. And those are only 27 books. Um, the Old Testament is like this huge section of scripture. Um, it's way bigger than the New Testament. It was written over 1400 years of history. It's written in the, originally written in the, the language of Hebrew. And, um, and then in the New Testament, written over about only 60 years. Um, you know, about 40 A.D. to about 100 A.D., uh, and that's written in Greek. Now, sometimes I uh, people uh, have asked me, like, okay, which Bible is the right Bible? I, I've heard that, you know, Catholics have their Bible, and, and Lutherans have a Bible, and Presbyterians have, like, all these churches have their own Bible. Well, that's not exactly what it is. There's one Bible. Uh, it's written in Hebrew, uh, Old Testament written in Hebrew, written in Greek, and then there's hundreds of different translations. All that means is people looked at the original language and they tried to put it in a language uh, that people can understand. So there's all these different translations because although the Bible doesn't change, human language always changes. I mean, we talk differently than we did 50 years ago. We talk different than we did, you know, hundreds of years ago in Shakespearean English. So that's something to, to kind of know. Um, but first of all, what's so amazing, so it's this library of books. It's got different genres, um, uh, different types of literature. Uh, it's got history, uh, narrative. It's got poetry. One fourth of it, the Bible is poetry. It's got kind of sermons, po um, like prophetic words. It's made up of letters. It's got all these different types of literature. And all of it points to one man who lived 2,000 years ago. 
uh, the, the man that divided history. It's 2019, I guess now, 2019 years uh, since his birth, uh, Jesus Christ. So all of the Bible, all of this really is a way to know about Jesus. Um, that's why it's written. There's a verse in the Bible that says something like this. Um, These things are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So I know I give you tons of details, tons of information, um, but basically all I'm trying to say is the whole Bible leads you back to Jesus and and, and really does show you a a whole new way of life, a whole new way of living a life that's wise uh, according to uh, Jesus and what and and teaches about Jesus. Um, there are some things that you don't get out of the Bible, uh, and, and maybe you want to talk about that, John. You know, what are some things? You know, maybe people go to the Bible looking for things, and they maybe they look for the wrong things because they have a wrong assumptions about the Bible. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think one problem that people run into when they come to the Bible is that they have a misunderstanding of what the Bible is. Um, one thing that the Bible isn't is not a science textbook. Right. It's also not going to teach you algebra. Right. Um, you know, it's you have to be fair to what the book is. The Bible is the story of us and God and how he has made it that we can be with him forever. It's, it's the story of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be fair to the text. And just like you wouldn't, you know, look into... A cookbook and say, well, this book is worthless because it doesn't tell me anything about how to uh, change my oil. You know, you have to be fair to the Bible as well. Um, the Bible isn't going to answer every single one of your scientific questions, um, but the Bible will answer your deepest questions. You know, questions of meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. and um, the questions of your your eternity. So, when you're fair to the text, I think you have a better opportunity of understanding the Bible. That's great. Yeah. And, and so, and I guess another thing too, is just to realize like the Bible, the writers are literary geniuses. I, I, I've heard, I heard another uh, writer and, and speaker say that, and I, I've thought about that more and more. Um, the example that they used was the story from uh, from Star Wars, and and they said uh, when Luke Skywalker—I don't know if you're a Star Wars person—but when Luke Skywalker goes looking for um, the Jedi Master, he winds up on that planet. He sees this little green, weird-looking guy, and he keeps on wondering, you know, where the Jedi Master is, and. He can't, you know, he's, he's asking this green little guy. And then he finds out that that's Yoda and he is the Jedi Master. And all of a sudden he's all in. He's all engaged. If you come to the Bible with an assumption um, that it's just this weird book written by uneducated um, shepherds uh, who didn't know what they were doing, you probably won't read slowly. You probably won't read on the edge of your seat. You're probably not going to look for clues. Um, but when you have this assumption that these are literary geniuses, you start to see amazing connections, how they're all um, riffing off each other. They're all speaking to one another. Um, they're, they're all putting in this incredible book um, with this incredible design. So it's hard. This is a hard book um, because they're so wise. It's not a hard book just because it's so old. It's a hard book to read because they're so wise. There's so much in there that's so helpful. Um, 
And what Christians believe is that the reason it's such an incredible book is not just because these writers were so wise, but that God was directing their thoughts and God was putting down the exact things that he wanted them to write. Um, so it might take some time. You might need to find, if you're really serious in learning about this, you might need to take a class, you know, walk into a, a church and, and, and most churches have a, like a basic Bible class to teach you how to read the Bible, uh, even if you don't believe it, um, you know, it would be worth taking a class or having someone kind of guide you through um, the basic structure of the books, the basic idea, because it's complicated, right? Right. Or, or a person could use the Bible Project, which is something we use at our church. Yeah. Extremely helpful, um, even for people that have read the Bible. Yeah. I mean, they just have, do such a great job of breaking it down and making things understandable. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. The Bible, I think another misconception is that it's just nothing but God's rule book. Right. You know, we, we know about the Ten Commandments and, and you know, it, some people just think, well, all it is is just thou shall not. Right. Um, but, but the Bible, it, it's not just a rule book. It's much more than that. It's not just a dry, dull rule book. And um, people will find that out once they, once they begin to read it. Yeah. It's a story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible, epic story over thousands of years. Uh, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's amazing. So, okay. Well, that kind of explains what the Bible is, what the Bible isn't. Um, and there's two basic, I think, objections underneath there that we want to talk about is, is the Bible really relevant? Like, again, why would I want to look at the Bible today um, if I have Google? And then is it reliable? Is it relevant? It's going to speak to me today. And is it reliable? Is that actually true? And so let's kind of dive into those two ideas here. Um, is it still useful today? Is it is it relevant? Um, so the Bible makes this claim. It says that all scripture, all the whole Bible is God-breathed, that God breathed this into the existence and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that a person is thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible's making this claim that it's useful. Uh, it, it's useful to know salvation, know about Jesus, and then useful for, for um, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So what do you think? You, know, you have to look into it and see how it is. And I guess um, I, you and I were talking before, um, you just started reading some kind of more ancient uh, literature, right? Some... Mm -hmm. uh, it, tell me a little bit about your experience as you look at um, ancient literature and this whole idea that there's nothing new. Uh, this whole idea of relevance, like if I read something modern, does that necessarily mean it's a new idea? Uh, does anything that I find on Google, um, is that necessarily going to be uh, new or, you know, you're kind of telling me about, like, you're, you're reading some very old literature and you're finding out that, man, all the things that I'm reading today, all the things that I can look up online today are just regurgitated ideas. Right. Yeah. There, there's really no new arguments. I mean, the arguments that we have today, um, or, or, you know, discussions, I should say, is a better word we have today with, with people who are skeptics. Um, the same exact the same exact discussions have been happening for since since the beginning. I mean, um, you're right. I, I like to read a lot and a lot of old stuff too. And the more old stuff I read, the more I realize that everything we say today is borrowed. Right. <laughs> there, there's like nothing. There's nothing new we say today. We say it in a different way, but um, but you know the things that we say today are are all things that 
that have been said before. So, you know, as Solomon said, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. 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 So I, I was also kind of thinking about, um, about, you know, when would I go to the Bible and when would I ask Alexa on Google for something? Right. And, and, and what are the, the, what are the uses between the two? So I think Google uh, is great for anything that I need immediate action on. Um, like, so coming up with this podcast, I have no idea how to start a podcast. I have no idea that tech, so I, you know, I watch all these YouTube videos and, and show me how to set this thing up and, and what to do and what not to do. But guess what? In three years, that is going to be totally irrelevant. Right. Everything I learned on how to run a podcast, everything I learned on Google and everything I can get on, on the latest social media feed will be irrelevant um, tomorrow. And so, okay, if I need to fix my washer and dryer or something like that, uh, I can watch a YouTube video. But then five years from now, it's going to be a totally different kind of washer and dryer, and that's not going to be useful anymore. What's amazing about the Bible is it's written in such a way that the big questions I have, the big issues I have in my life, um, it's useful over across time, across culture, um, you know, it, it, across generations, across all these different things. And I, I've done work in, in Latin America, and it's just amazing. You start learning another language, how God's word applies to people in Latin America. God's word applies to people in Europe, the Middle East, uh, Asia. Um, Christ, this Bible isn't just for one kind of person, and it's not just for one time period. It's not just for one age group. It's relevant for everybody. And maybe, you know, so if, if somebody hears me, hears us say this, you know, so don't take my word for it, you know, I think maybe if you want to see, like, is it relevant? Maybe, like, the the quickest way to see that would be to open up in the middle of the book of the Bible. There is this little book. It's called Proverbs. These, like, quick little short sayings of wisdom. And you start reading through those, and you'll have, like, a master's in finance. <laughs> you know, it talks about how to take care of, of your money. And, and, you know, the wisdom right there spans generations it, it it talks about how to conduct yourself with people how to live a different life you know so that would be a quick like is it relevant like here's a quick test right away um obviously that's not the only reason the bible is in there but i think it just is a quick way to respond to, i don't know what do you think about that right i think that i think that's right i to steal another line from robbie zacharias he's really good he says just because you have a smartphone doesn't mean you have a wise phone Okay, Google's going to give you information on how to do things and things like that, but it will not give you wisdom. Right. Um, the Bible is a book of wisdom. It will give you that wisdom. So, you know, that's that's kind of the difference. That's the different way I look I look at it there. Right. Um, but also, it, you're right, it does speak to everyone. It, in fact, it speaks to, you know, the, the most educated among us, but it also speaks to children. You mm -hmm. know, I as I was kind of preparing for this podcast, um, you know, jotting some notes down, um, last night at home, my son Harrison, he, you know, he kind of was watching me and he's like, dad, what are you, what are you writing? What are you doing? You know? And, um, I said, well, you know, I'm preparing for this podcast and it's yeah. going to be about, you know, what the Bible is. What, yeah. is, what is the Bible? You know? And, and so he was still looking at me. So I'm like, Harrison, what, what do you think? What, what, how would you describe what the Bible is? And you know, Harrison, you never know what you're <laughs> going to get out of it. But without batting, a, batting an eye, he's like, well, it's the way God connects with us. And I put down my pen and I'm like, you know what? You just summed it up better than I could ever have probably. Yeah. And, and so, you know what? You hear things like that from little children and you 
begin to understand that it even speaks to them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It, and yeah, so it's so accessible. Like you can, you can read John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Like you can grasp that, that God loves the world. God is love. Those big topics, you can speak to a two-year-old on that. Or you could spend the rest of your life chewing over these different things and, and, and you'll never get to the bottom of it. I, there, there's one, I think it was Luther who said, or Martin Luther is a guy who lived about 500 years ago. And he said, um, you know, the, the, like the Bible so, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but the Bible so accessible that, that uh, uh, it's like a river where a baby can play in. But it's also so deep that an elephant can wade and swim, you know, and, and it, it so does both things. So, all right. So, uh, is it relevant? Yes. Um, it's it span the time. Uh, the it span time. It span generation. Span culture, and the ideas that you're going to get today on Google uh, are going to be here today, gone tomorrow. But the Word of God, it stands forever. It hasn't stopped. Okay. So how about this? But. But doesn't the Bible condone things like slavery and sexism? You know, haven't we moved on from these old archaic ideas? So how could we learn something about, um, about human rights and how we treat people if the Bible talks about slavery and sexism? So um, I think you have to go into some of these topics. You know, some people are maybe start reading the Bible and bam, they're, they're, they're here the story of uh, it seems like there's laws that condone slavery in the Old Testament. And then, bam, it seems like there's a different uh, understanding of, of roles of men and women or things like that. And, and some people only say, well, that's it. I'm, I'm out. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't have, it needs, I remember talking with somebody, they said, the Bible needs an update. Uh, this may be good for, you know, people thousands of years ago in that culture in the Middle East, but we live in the 21st century in the United States of America and we need an updated version, especially when it comes to these different topics. Um, maybe to start with this idea of slavery. Yeah, the Bible brings up um, slavery, but um, you have to understand in a cultural context. Uh, first of all, the, the first page of the Bible gives us the idea of human rights, that humans were made in the image of God. And so humans have rights where they are, are supposed to be treated as you treat God himself. They're made in the image of God. And without that idea of human rights, um, we wouldn't, or without the Bible, we would not have the idea of human rights in the United States. The only, the only reason that we have this idea or concept of human rights, which is a big deal, is it comes from the first page of the Bible. Um, so that's a huge thing. And then also, I think God's pretty clear about slavery when one of the biggest stories in the Bible, uh, in the second book of the Bible, is God um, bringing the Israelites, uh, rescuing them from Egyptian slavery. So God does not condone slavery. Uh, in fact, one of his biggest miracles uh, shows against slavery or, or, or overturns slavery. But there does seem to be this admittance that there is going to be slavery. Well, um, a lot of times in ancient culture, um, slavery was just another form of debt. 
You know, you, you had to pay somebody's debt. You had to work for them. And that's kind of what it is today, too. You know, like a slave to the, uh, even in, in fact, in the book of Proverbs, is a borrower, a slave to the lender. And so if I owe money to MasterCard, I owe money, like I'm kind of their slave. You know, I, I can, I, and in ancient cultures, you, a lot of times slaves could move about freely. Uh, they had their own families, their, their own jobs sometimes, but they were paying things off and working for other people. Um, and slavery was so common that it would be like today saying, we don't want no more debt services anymore. Nobody can use debt anymore because mm-hmm. debt is evil. And so if you tried to clear out debt in one day uh, and, and you said, um, you know, the United States is no longer going to do debt you know, what would happen? Right. So many of the banks, so many of people's lives are so built on that. And that's kind of what it was like with slavery. Like it was such a prevalent part of ancient society, not something that was something that God wanted or condoned or anything like that. But now, all right, how do we manage it? How do we get people out of it? How do we change it? So I think um, being a little more culturally sensitive is important. To learn a little bit more about history is important. Before you um, look at the ancient world through modern day eyes, you need to kind of understand some of that history. Mm-hmm. One other clear thing is that um, slavery in ancient, like let's say ancient Israel, um, was very different than the ethnic slavery of uh, the civil rights, or I mean, of, of, of slavery in the United States, uh, racial slavery, where, where people were enslaved because of their color of their skin which is pretty much exactly what it was for the Israelites. That's why so many of the, uh, the abolitionists and so many they, who wanted to overturn slavery in Europe and in the United States used the Bible to overturn it because they saw the, the connection between ancient slavery um, of the Israelites, the ethnic slavery of the Israelites, and the ethnic slavery um, that was racially motivated in the United States and in Europe. Right. So I, that's like, a lot of detail, but yeah, no, like you said, human rights, where does that come from? It comes from the Bible, right? It, it comes from the first page of the Bible where God tells us that we are all made in his image, people of every race, every color from all over the world. So, you know, there is no superiority among races or among anyone. I think, I think the term slave in the Bible, I think he could almost be substituted with the word servant. Now, as you said, there was no credit cards back in biblical times. So people had to work off their debt, which is exactly what they did. And I think, so sometimes I think we get tripped up using using verbiage that maybe doesn't mean the same thing today as it meant then. You kind of explained that. But um, I think when you look at, when you look at the Old Testament, one of the things that stands out to me is just how amazingly um, gracious God is in how he how he had all these special provisions for the foreigner, for the widow, for yeah. the orphan. I mean, like, and you could talk probably better about this than, than I, but like when you went to harvest your fields at, at harvest time, you couldn't, you couldn't go back and make another swipe. You only had to go once because you had to leave some for, for the poor or the foreigner that, that needed to glean, I think is right. what they call yeah. it, afterwards so that, so that they would be provided for. You know, God put so many different protections in, in place for people. Um, when you compare those protections to the surrounding cultures and civilizations of that time, it's absolutely radically different. Right. And I think that's what you have to really compare it to. You have to compare apples to apples. And when you do that, I think what you find is that is that the way that God 
you know, commanded the Israelites to behave was was completely graceful. So yeah, that's great. Maybe here here's the overarching idea: come to the Bible with the assumption um, that there is a reason, right? Um, and so if you get tripped up with something like, "Hey, we wouldn't do that in the 21st century in the United States," well, maybe there was a reason. Maybe there was something else going on. So there's going to be things that 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 when you read the Bible are going to be hard to understand, but it doesn't mean it's not relevant. It's just going to take more digging. You're going to have to learn a little bit about history. That's why I do think it's it's important to read the Bible with other people, to, to read it with a, a pastor, to read it with a group of other people. Don't just read it on your own because none of us has enough information about history, about about what's going on to be able to interpret this. And that's why it's such a, a wonderful thing. The whole church is such a wonderful thing as a community of believers for people to come together around this book and, and try to understand what does it say to me today? Is there a principle, like you said, so God gave this law about gleaning um, that, that, that the people who own the field shouldn't, um, shouldn't pick everything so that the people who couldn't own the fields or were poor uh, could come through and have the dignity of work and yet still and, and still have food in their bellies. Uh, just an incredible thing. Don't you think we could learn something about how to do things today by reading that? Uh, just amazing. So very good. All right. So that, that relevant, uh, you, you see that um, uh, that it's still useful today. Uh, and so when you come up to things that, that seem out of culture, out of context, things that seem offensive in the beginning, um, maybe you need to step back a little bit and learn a little bit about history and, and just because maybe they're talked about doesn't mean that they're condoned. Right, exactly. You said that in a Bible study a couple years ago, and it always stuck with me. Is just, And that was, just because something is described in the Bible doesn't mean it's prescribed. Yeah. Okay, so you read a lot of things, and like you say, a lot of the Bible um, is just uh, testimony, history. Yeah. You know, and it's just describing what is going on at that time. That doesn't necessarily mean that God condoned it. Right. Um so, so you have to keep that in mind. And the other, the other thing I just want to touch on quick is the issue of sexism and, and you know, the treatment of women and, sure. and how the misconception of, of how they were, you know, second class citizens. And, you know, in most cultures, they probably were. Um, but, but, you know, when you look, read the Bible and, and you read things like Paul wrote in Timothy that we are to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. We're not supposed to treat women as sex objects. We could probably learn something from that today too, couldn't right. we? Yeah. Um, but but that's you know so so Paul is telling us there you know that we're doing it wrong today, um, you know, and also just Jesus himself, his treatment of women, you know, when when they were second class citizens in, in, at that time, he would he would eat with them, he would meet with them, you know, the woman at the well. I think of that, and like men weren't even really ta- supposed to talk to women at that time. And he sat down and had a conversation and not, you know, she was living a sinful life and he still talked to her. And even, even Jesus' disciples were surprised that he was willing to do that. So, so I think Christianity has, has a track record of, of really being ahead of the times and, and treating women the way they, they should be treated. And some of, we, I think we could learn some lessons from them today. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I think about um, the proof is in what happened in what's happened in the world that wherever the Bible has reached, like when the Bible reaches a new culture, a new community, the rights of women go up. They don't go down. Right. And, and so again, why we want to have this podcast is like, you might've heard, you might've heard it said that the Bible condones slavery. We'll read it a little bit more. Right. 
and you'll find out that, that, that that's actually not true at all. Uh, you'll find out that, 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 that God gives human rights to be actually a letter written by Paul. One of these letters in the New Testament is, is a short little, it's one page. He's writing to a man, um, uh, Philemon, and he's telling him to end slavery. He's got a slave named Onesimus, and he said, relieve his debt. Don't treat him as a slave anymore. Like there's books, like when you read it, so don't just believe the assumptions you heard that the Bible, you, you shouldn't read the Bible because it's full of, yeah, things like sexism and slavery. Wherever the Bible has reached, you know, slavery has gone away. Um, sexism has gone away. Um, it's actually, if you want to improve human rights, uh, we should print more Bibles. We should put that hand. Now, there are, there's been people who've manipulated it sure. and, and used it. Uh, you know, taking a verse out of context, use those kind of the de the descriptive things mm -hmm. of describing a bad situation and using it to prescribe bad behavior. But that's not in line with Jesus. And that's not, you know, you can twist a lot of things. So, yeah, I think that's really, really important to understand that the, that the more you read the Bible, the more human rights gets better in a society. Uh, the less there is slavery, the less there is sexism. Uh, the, the more God's word has been implemented. It, it's not the other way around. Right. Okay, now we're going to get, if, if this wasn't deep enough, for now we're going to really get in the weeds, um, and we talk about, now, is it reliable? Okay, um, that sounds good. Uh, it's relevant. We can use it today, but is it reliable? How do we know uh, that what we have in this book today, you go, to, you go to Walmart, you buy a Bible off the shelf there in Walmart. Uh, how do we know that what we're reading uh, in any of those versions is actually what the original authors wrote? Um, and that's a really important question. Do we know if this is actually what they wrote or not, or if it's just been copied or changed or things like that. So, um, hold on your hats. This is this gets a little bit deep here, but I think I think it's really actually important. Um, so, the wonderful, amazing thing is is we have thousands of manuscripts, sheets of paper that have um, that have the words of scripture on them from a very early time period. So let's say, let, let's look at one book of the Bible. If you don't open up the book of the Bible, there's a book called John. It was written by a guy named John, and he was one of Jesus' disciples. And you're reading through John, you're like, how do I know this is actually what John wrote, and this is what actually John saw? Well, we have manuscripts, we have sheets of paper that go like within, I think, almost 10 to 15 years of when they were originally written. And we have... Um, and they're kind of spread out all over the world. So you don't have, um, and I'm not a, a total expert on this. There's, better, there's people who know this stuff better than, than I do. But I, I can at least say this. The Bible, from when the authors wrote it, and our oldest manuscript sheet of paper of what we have is 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 so small, it's it's totally different than any other things that we have in history. So let's let's compare the Bible to other works of literature, right? So we have the Bible on one hand, and then let's look at other things like writings of Plato and Aristotle. Um, let's look at the Galactic Wars, you know, the Caesar's writings or, or some of the other ancient manuscripts that are out there. Josephus, ancient historian. So any of these things that 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 we look at, Homer's Iliad and Odyssey. And you go into a, a public college 
and you go into an ancient history class and they're quoting Plato, Aristotle, they're quoting Julius Caesar's uh, writings, they're quoting Josephus, they're quoting these ancient books and nobody's saying, hey, how do we know Plato wrote that? How do we know Aristotle wrote that? How do we know Socrates said that? Nobody's saying this. But our oldest sheets of paper are what we have from the time of, um, and what they wrote, there is a separation usually of hundreds of years, sometimes you know, 500 to 800 years from like when Plato wrote what he wrote to what we have um, access to. So you're telling me, uh, all right, but the Bible, we have things that are written within, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. But we're, we believe Plato wrote what he wrote, even though we have a few manuscripts and there's, they've been copied for hundreds of years, but we don't, we don't question Plato. But then we have a Bible um, there. It's only been separated by a few, by 10 years, not enough time to make a lot of changes or whatever. And, but we're going to call that into question. Looks like, yeah, what do you think? This was big for me. You know, um, just the way my mind works, you know, I have to put things together like a puzzle. It just, it has to make sense. So, you know, I, I, I dug deep into this because, as I said, this was important to me. And I, I even have some of, this, some of this memorized and written down. Um, so you spoke of, of, of Caesar. He wrote Gallic Wars. Um, we have nine or ten copies of Caesar's Gallic Wars. And the oldest manuscript, which, like you said, is a copy of the original, the oldest manuscript we have is about 900 years after Caesar wrote it. So there's 900 years difference between those two. Mm -hmm. And we have about, again, nine or ten of those copies. And like you say, no one disputes that. Uh, the, the writings of Plato, we have about ten good copies of the writings of Plato. Um, the oldest manuscript or copy that we have of, of his writings is 1,400 years after he originally wrote it, so mm -hmm. it span of fourteen hundred years. Mm -hmm. Now, the, so so like you say, when you come to the Bible, you know we have to say, well, okay, the Bible better have at least nine or ten good copies, and it better be written within nine hundred or a thousand years of the original. Yeah. And like you said, what do we find? We find over five thousand copies of the New Testament alone, written not a hundred years, but like twenty-five to fifty years within the original writings. So the Bible's really, it's in a class of its own, and that, and that was really important to me. Um, so, and not only that, but even in, I think Paul says, um, as, he's, as he's describing one, um, one description in the Bible of where Jesus appears after his resurrection to 500 people at the same time, he makes that, he makes that statement, and then he goes on to say, many of whom are still alive today. As in, go ask them. They're right. still here. Right. So this wasn't like a game of telephone, you know, where you tell one person and that person tells a person and there's like, you know, it turns into something that you can't even recognize because this was all done within within one generation. So the whole myth um, could never develop. Right. So, you know, that again, that, that was really huge for me. So, you know, another proof that we can trust the Bible. My favorite story, I think, also um, is the idea of the of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. So when it comes to the Old Testament, we didn't have as many manuscripts as the New Testament. And so the oldest one we had was a thousand years ago. So there are a lot of scholars that 
who knows what the Old Testament said? This must have been, you know, something that had been copied and, and, and you know, a bunch of fairy tales that, that people set around the campfire and they finally put it down on paper and uh, they put it all together. That's why it's so full of prophecy because they wrote about it after it happened, all that kind of stuff. And then this shepherd in 19, was it 1943? 30, yeah, 1943, he's throwing rocks at his... That Bedouin shepherd throwing rocks at his uh, his sheep, and he hears this clay jar shatter, and he goes in the area along the Dead Sea, and it's really dry there, and he finds this ancient library, a library that dates to the times of Jesus, a thousand years earlier, and everybody, all the scholars, they're licking their chops to mm -hmm. get in there, um, and they want to find out how much the Bible has changed over the last you know, for a thousand years. And the big discovery after endless amounts of research was it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. Yeah, it hasn't changed at all. There was no changes, no significant change. I mean, you know, like the change would be something like somebody adds a T to the and it'd be the or he or, or something that would, you know, that a lot of it was done by somebody dictating. And so a word that has a similar meaning but sounds a little bit or something that sounds similar but has a little bit different meaning. Someone might have wrote, wrote that, and and but it's pretty easy to figure out what that is. But that's what's so astounding. Like, don't bet against the Bible. Right. I, you know, it, and and a lot of people have have done a. I, I think a pretty have made a lot of money throwing out these ideas. But don't bet against the Bible because sooner or later archaeology will catch up. You're going to make a discovery and you're going to find out, wow, the Bible hasn't changed in thousands of years. What we have, when you go to Walmart and buy a book that says the Holy Bible on it, is what was written thousands of years ago. Right. I'm glad you brought up the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, that, that's another thing I really looked into. And and one of the things that's really cool, I think, about them is that actually the, all these archaeologists that just poured over these, these scriptures, many of them actually came to faith because of this, because they couldn't believe how how a text, you know, so far apart could be absolutely the same, right. and they thought that God's hand must have been in on that. Yeah. And so that yes, that that's such a wonderful discovery, um, and I think one that a lot of people probably don't know much about. Yeah, it was kind of neat. I don't know if it was uh, maybe eight ten years ago the Dead Sea Scroll exhibit came to the museum in Milwaukee. And I got a chance to walk through it and look at the original uh, writings that they found. And I guess they had the highest security they've ever had at the Milwaukee Museum because it was such a big deal. And, and uh, you know, so it just it's something to marvel at um, when you're holding the Bible, although you can buy it anywhere. You're holding this incredible book that has changed civilizations that, like your son said, it's the way that God communicates with us. Right. right? So, um we kind of mentioned sorry, but maybe some of the last point is, uh, does archaeology actually confirm anything in the Bible? Um, and, and that's what I think is just incredible. Um, if we would compare the Bible to other books like the Book of Mormon. So if you, you know, M Mormons have, have their own book and, and um, it's kind of a, a, a laughable, uh, you know, to, if I can say that and still be respectful, but um, when the, you know there there are claims that were made in the Book of Mormon that you just go to these sites, 
uh, that that and and it, it doesn't match up with history at all. It doesn't match up with archaeology at all. That wasn't there. That didn't happen. It's not confirmed. It was like totally made up. You can tell that he sat down and he had these thoughts, whether he was inspired by dark spiritual forces or he made them up in his head. Um, you go and you check these historical sites and they don't match up with history and they don't match up with the book. The total opposite is, uh, uh, you know, the opposite happens when you do archaeology uh, around the biblical um, history and, and, and locations. Like archaeology backs up what's in the Bible and, you know, just so many different findings and we've only uncovered a few. Right. But you can go to Israel today and you go look at the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount that was, you know, first made by Solomon and then rebuilt by Zerubbabel and still stands there today. At least the, 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 wall, is the wall is there, right? The, the, the foundation is still there. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you walk up there and you go into the Garden um, of Gethsemane where Jesus was the night before. You, like you can look at these historical sites and, and look into archaeology and it backs up um, what it says in the Bible. It's not something that's hidden. It's, it, it's something that... that again, paints itself into a corner. You know, why would you make all of these references to cities, to locations, to historical events that people could look into and see if you're bluffing unless they really happened? Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, we, and like you say, we do have, we do have a lot of things actually, you know, inscriptions to different things, to the house of King David, um, we, inscriptions on things, uh, referring to Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea at the time. We have the burial box of Caiaphas, who was high priest during the trial of Jesus. That was at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Was it I really? saw the, the, the box of Caiaphas. His, wow. You know, was kind of neat. wow. Yeah, I mean, things things from the Philistine Empire that, like you said, it, that have names of cities on it that the Bible references. So there is a lot of physical evidence as well. And, you know, so so that was that's really important when it comes to... Um, to trusting the Bible and knowing that we can really believe that what it says is true and what happened really happened. Ironically, I think that's the stuff that trips people up. You know, they're reading all these ancient sites and these ancient names and these ancient locations, and they're you know they're hard to say. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Philistia and Ephesus and and Thessalonica and all these things that are like, why is this in the Bible? Because it really happened. It's a really location. It's it's you know it, it is. You're reading another culture. You're reading about an, another place. Another place and time. And, and yeah, you might have to say words that you can't pronounce or are difficult to pronounce and, and locations that are hard to learn about. It's going to take work to read the Bible, but that's in there so that you can go and do some investigation, see if those locations are real, if that really happened there. Um, and so the things that might be, make the Bible hard to read actually make it more reliable because right. they're speaking about what happened at that time. Yeah. It's in such detail. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so kind of to put all this together, uh, why would I read the Bible when I have Google? I would say, open up your Bible, not by yourself, and it's fine to check into it yourself, but but I would say find a community of people, um, and maybe even listen to it. I think it'd be great, you know, just sit down and listen to a longer section, uh, maybe start in the Gospel, uh, start in the book of John, and just talk about and listen to it and come with the assumption um, that this is God speaking to me, that this has got something for me to say. And I think you'll find what there is is timeless. You're going to find uh, what there is useful, what there changes me, 
what there makes me a different kind of person, what, what's in there gives me hope for the future, what there, what's in there um, is, is incredible. So, um, and, and yeah, you use your Google if you want to, you know, fix your washer and dryer, or if you want to uh, find out what the weather is for today. You, you know, that's not going to be in the Bible, what, what, what the weather is for today, or, or how, to do, how to cook a souffle or whatever. Um, but if you want to answer the big questions like, why am I here? Where am I going? What, what, what's life? How should I treat my spouse? How should I treat my kids? Um, what should I do about the guilt in my life? What should I do to, to what kind of life should I be living? Um, what do I do about shame? Who is this Jesus person? Um, what does he say? You know, those bigger questions, you're not going to find it anywhere but in the Bible. And maybe we could take a little time to talk about probably the real issue, I've seen this and I know you've seen this too, um, the issue behind the issue seems to always go back to, it's not that I don't believe the Bible is true or want to look into it, I just, I don't like it because of the things that have happened in my life, because of suffering. Maybe a, a person was abused, maybe a person was neglected or forgotten. Maybe a person uh, had a really difficult time in their life and God didn't answer their prayer. And so they don't want to interact with the God of the Bible because they don't like the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what I found is the issue behind the issue. Uh, it's the Bible, the evidence for the Bible is overwhelming. And, and that's a hard question, you know, and, and one that we're going to take the whole next podcast to discuss. But I don't know if there's anything else you want to say on that. Yeah, I believe I believe that's true. I I think suffering is probably the biggest the biggest roadblock for a lot of people with God, um, and it's one that you know believers believers struggle with it too. You know why why would why would good God allow people to suffer? Yeah, you know, and so I'm looking forward to that next week. But as far as as far as this week's topic goes. You know, we said a lot of good things about the Bible, and in my opinion, the overarching good thing about it is that it's all true. Yeah. The entire Bible is true. Um, you know, like I said in the opening, it doesn't do any of us any good to believe fairy tales or myths, um, but but that's not what the Bible is. And that, that's not to say that we un- we can totally understand every single passage in the Bible. Um, that's not to say that that you know, we as Christians don't sometimes have different interpretations of certain sections of the Bible, but it does mean that, that the Bible is true, that we can trust it, um, that we can rely on it. And I think the real proof will come for people when they actually open it up and God starts to speak to them in unmistakable ways. Yeah. That's when they really will be convinced. Exactly. And so that's what my, that's what my open prayer is, that people will open this book and allow God to start speaking to them. Yeah. So if you're still listening and you're still, uh, that would be my, that, I hope if, if, if one person cracks open their Bible or goes, finds a Bible or looks it up online or whatever, or goes to the Bible project, the, the Bibleproject.com and starts looking at some of the tools on there. If one person does that, it'll be worth our time to have this discussion. So, all right, that was episode three for the What's Up With That podcast. Uh, we do want to talk about suffering next time, a huge topic, the topic kind of every other topic, I think. And, uh, and, and until next time, God be with you, and uh, thanks for, for uh, sticking around. Adios.